As I look around uh, the United States, um, nationally, I, I seem to see some problems. Um, it seems like, at least it feels this way, I may, be, I may be alone, but it feels like there's irresponsibility everywhere, kind of like it's an epidemic. Um, people who are frequently saying, nope, that's not my fault. Um, see if you've ever heard this. Maybe you can finish the statement for me. Nope, not my monkeys, not my... Circus, right. We've all heard that. But the truth might be, no, no, I think you're part owner in that circus. I think you're part of the reason that circus came to town sometimes. People everywhere claiming, though, that they have no, uh, no responsibility. In fact, some even would say maybe that they have a right to irresponsibility, to do and say what they want to do and say. Even if, especially if you add Facebook and social media to that, people feeling like they can say whatever they want, whenever they want, to whomever they want, and that nobody has a right to hold me accountable. And that actually, it goes even further, that other people have a responsibility to clean up my mess. Wow. Irresponsibility is almost always so easy for us to see in other people. But don't miss this. It is nearly impossible to see in the mirror. Mm. Why are we often so irresponsible? Maybe part of the reason is it seems so often that our lives are directed by somebody else. And those same people also protect us from certain things. So they direct us, they, they protect us, they have a tendency to cater to us, um, and then they step in when needed and they organize us so that we're organized. And all of this happens by somebody else. So somebody else literally is taking responsibility for us. So no wonder, no wonder that that we have an epidemic where we have come to expect that someone else is going to be responsible instead of me or instead of ourselves. We live in a world today where we are very prepared academically, but we are not prepared to deal with kind of the, the day-to-day problems that we face and that we exist And so we end up with an inability to handle those problems because we haven't had to. And yes, the the people in our lives, they are just trying to help us. But the result is this, that they are taking responsibility and we don't have to have any in that case. So more than ever, 
as we go about our day-by-day lives, are, they're directed by somebody. We've been protected from things by them, and, and it just happens more and more and more. And we become people in that case who then require more legislation. We require it. We require more policies and more rules, and we require more, more regulations because somewhere along the way, we never genuinely owned our own lives. Someone else was always there, as I said, to direct us and protect us and to cater to us and to organize us. And we never had to do it. Think of it this way. If they tie our shoes for too long, we'll never tie our shoes. If they drop what they're doing in order to bring us what we left at home, what we forgot to bring and they drop what they're doing and they go do that for us, then we are never going to learn that we have to find a way, find some way to remember to do the things that we need to do. When they negotiate for us, when they go to our teachers or our coaches and they negotiate for things to be different, then we never have to learn how to do that on our own. And it all, here's here's the, the strange thing though, it all looks like it's caring, and it is caring, but the problem is it's really sabotage for our personal development. And it's in that personal development that is the only place where responsibility grows. Now, those are just some of the reasons. There's so many more. There's so many reasons that, that make it easier for us to avoid responsibility. I was thinking about this this week. I, I think if George Washington were here today, <laughs> I think those wooden teeth would just pop out of his mouth. <laughs> I think he would just be like, oh my word, is this what it has come to? Everything has seemed so irresponsible. But here, here's the truth. There is such a thing as human responsibility. Now, history actually records for us the very first moment of human responsibility. Now, regardless of what you believe about these people called Adam and Eve, I I happen to believe that they were real people, that they really existed. Um, And here's, here's why I believe that. I'm not telling you, you have to believe that. I'm saying I believe they were real. And here's the big reason why I believe that is because when you look at the new covenant, the new Testament, when you look in the new Testament and read, you see, you find that Jesus believed that Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were real people. He believed that you find that in there. And here's, here's where I'm going with this. Jesus is the one who predicted that he would die and predicted how he would die and predicted that he would walk out of the tomb alive in three days. And Jesus pulled all that off. So if Jesus can do that, I'm going to go with what he believes. That's just where I am. So I'm kind of simple like that. Jesus believed it was real. I I believe it was real. And so we have this recorded. God told Moses what to write down. And Moses recorded this for us. And it's in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
Um, we talked a lot about that last year. Um, the, there's, we have some recordings of it. We got to break that down. It was pretty interesting. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, that is Adam and Eve here. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Now, you, when I think about God, and you, you may be with me on this, so often we think of God as kind of bossy, and we think of God as somebody who is full of rules. So here we have creation. He just created Adam and Eve, placed them in the garden. And, and how many rules have we run across so far? Do you notice how many rules we have so far? So far, there are no rules. No rules. Before there were any rules in the garden, there was first great responsibility. That was first. Responsibility. And here's what he told. He goes on. He says, reign over the fish in the, in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God designates to Adam this responsibility. And Adam, listen, notice what happened. Adam did not complain about not having a list from which to work. God didn't give him a list. Adam didn't complain about it. He didn't, he didn't sue God for a non-supportive work environment, lacking training and, and, and poor employee assistance. No, no, Adam took responsibility. Here's the first point that we want you to remember today. You were created to be responsible. Just like God created Adam and gave him responsibility, he has created us and we were created for responsibility. And I want to say, even if you are not a Christ follower today, if you are a human in this room, that's all that's required, you have God-given responsibility. And because of that, this next statement is also true. And we are most happy when we are responsible. When we're doing a good job with what we are responsible for, we're most happy. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so agonizing for a, a, a man, specifically even, to be out of work. Because when they're out of work, they feel that weight of responsibility that was given to them by God. And that weight is actually a good thing. And that's why even for many of us, like if we forget to do something that we were supposed to do, something that was assigned to us or at school or at work or something we agreed to do, and we forget to do it, deep down inside we're thinking, oh, you stupid idiot. I did it again. That's what we think. Because deep down inside, we know that we are most content when we meet our responsibilities. You know, we know that we all have people in our lives who are running from responsibility. At some point, they just kind of said, forget it. I'm out of here. That's, that's not my responsibility. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. And we're on the outside thinking, oh, no, no, it is your responsibility. It is your responsibility. You're, you're wrong. It is your responsibility. That's the reality. But in their mind, they're saying, no, I'm just going to walk away from it. I'm not going to take care of that. Someone else, if it's going to be taken care of, someone else will do it. Here's a big point. Not the big point, but a big point. 
As long as you, in your life, feel the weight of responsibility and you don't run from it, I want you to know you are headed toward God's plan for your life. Let that sink in for just a moment. As long as you feel the weight of responsibility and you don't run from it, you are headed toward God's plan for your life. As you start fulfilling your responsibilities, you are happier. It's the way we're wired. Now, let's go back to Adam and Eve. We talk about this passage, Cole and I do. We, we bring this passage up somewhat frequently <laughs> because it just, it, it explains so much about who we are today by looking at their lives. It is so relevant. We cannot get away from uh, our past, our history in this standpoint. So Adam and Eve were given this huge responsibility and they were given one simple rule. Great responsibility, one tiny rule. Don't eat from that tree over there. Everything else, well, yeah, everything else is okay right now. Just don't eat from that tree. And we know how that turned out, right? We've, we've all heard the story. We know how that turned out. They were irresponsible with the one single thing that they were commanded not to do. Were they feeling happy about it? Freedom! Finally got out from under all that oppression. That one rule. It was so heavy. Freedom! No, no. Suddenly, they were filled with unhappiness. Here's how it plays out. Chapter three, verse eight. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Something was wrong. They hid. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, um, I, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Um, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree? You know, the one whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, <clears throat> Yes, Father, I did. And I take full responsibility for my choices. Whatever must happen, let it happen to me. But leave Eve out of this. She's innocent. No. No. Um, as Steve Harvey would say, uh, the top answers are on the board, but that's not one of them. This is what he actually said. The man replied, It's the woman! The woman you gave me. Ah. Oh. It's the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. It fell into my mouth. I ate it. He's like saying, okay, God, in answer to your question, um, what had happened was, um, well, you, actually, God, you. You, God, you were the one who said I needed her. I was happy. I was happy as as 
what are those things flying up there? I forgot what I called them. But whatever those are, I was happy as those flying around things up there. And then you said I needed her. And so God, actually, you brought this mess to me. This is not my fault, God. This is you. Actually, it's your fault. And it's also her fault. So y'all go over there, God, and y'all work this out, but leave me out of it. Doesn't that explain so much of our conflict in marriage and in relationships at work with our children, with our siblings, with other people in life? Here's another big point. Irresponsibility always creates conflict. Not sometimes. Irresponsibility always creates conflict. Verse 13, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? I've heard what he said. What, what have you done? The serpent. It was the serpent that deceived me. Not my fault. That's why I ate it. Not my fault. It's his fault. You see, with the irresponsibility, it always leads to shame because we know the truth deep down inside. And then that shame leads us to start to blame someone or something else, and that blame is going to lead us to feeling guilty. And finally, all together, it all leads us to conflict with other people. You see, one reason for the blame, it's really just a diversion. It, it diverts our attention from the fact that we really do have responsibility. It, it diverts us from having to do something to make it better. You see, doing something, as we all know, doing something is hard work. It's a whole lot easier just to divert attention to say, oh, it wasn't my responsibility and, and divert the responsibility somewhere else. But the opposite is also true. It is amazing what happens in our lives and around our lives when someone says this, I'm responsible. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm responsible. Now listen, it may not all be my fault. It may not all be my fault, but I had a role to play in this. I had a part to play. So yes, I may not be responsible for everything, but listen, I am responsible for the parts that I had a role to play for my part in what happened in all this. I am responsible. But the moment a person sidesteps their responsibility and they point to someone else or they point to something else, conflict erupts. It's true in our families. It's true at work. It's true at school. It's true in Malvern. It's true in Stuttgart. It's true in Arkansas. It's true in the United States of America. Anytime we sidestep our responsibility and point to someone or something else, conflict erupts. And the truth is conflict just doesn't stop with the people who are around me those relationships, it doesn't just stop there. Mm -mm. Because blame is always going to create a conflict of unhappiness inside me. I might be able to get you off my back. I might be able to. If I can blame someone else or something else, I might be able to give me some breathing space from you. But deep down inside, I know 
I will never get that weight off of me. And it creates conflict inside of me. When I don't carry my responsibility, I carry a truckload of guilt and I carry a truckload of shame because I know the truth. You see, even after Adam and Eve made their excuses, they weren't smiling. You didn't see a smile on their face. So hear this. We will never reach our God-given potential if we don't take full responsibility for our own lives. You know, we know, we know that God expects us to take care of our family. He expects us to pay our bills. He expects us to spend less than we make. He expects us to keep a job. He expects us to not let any behavior or habit control our lives. And we will never reach our God-given potential as long as we keep making irresponsible choices. When we're irresponsible, it's like we've lost something, something inside of us. And part of that is a peace that we're never going to get back if we continue to be irresponsible. If we're not going to live up to our God-given potential that he has placed in our lives because he has created us to be responsible. And when we are being responsible, because we're designed for it, we will be our most happy, our most content, and our most fulfilled. I, I ask Ronnie and Cindy, they're, they're going to be making their way up here. Um, I asked them to come and share part of their story. I'm getting down here to help navigate these uh, little stairs <laughs> so we can do it safely. I've asked them to come and share part of their story. Y'all get to hear from me and Cole all the time. This actually happens to be Cole's mom and dad, if you didn't know that. This is Cole's mom and dad. And I've asked them to share just part of their story and their journey with us. Um, and I have gotten to know, they helped us. Uh, actually, I think a better word is I helped y'all uh, start a church in Stuttgart um, years ago. That's when we first met. I would love to tell the story of us first meeting. We don't have time for that. But y'all were deep in your journey of following Jesus by then. So I didn't know y'all when y'all weren't really following Jesus. So just kind of get us into your story about what, what was life like for y'all around the time that you guys met. And y'all met in Stuttgart, right? <laughs> That's a ways back. That's a ways back. So what was life like? Well, like I told you earlier, <clears throat> you picture a hundred a freight train with a hundred cars and it runs off the track and it does all that stuff. Yeah. That was my life. That was your life. That was it. And you're not exaggerating. Not at all. Um, you in had, fact, I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was your life. But prior to that, before Cindy and I ever met, uh, I was, I become a believer when I was nine years old and I was, really involved in church. Yeah, you grew up to in a church. Point, yeah. To a point. 
never really liked it that much, to be honest with you. Ronnie, was was your grandpa the pastor? No, he, well, no, he wasn't the pastor, but he was an evangelist okay. preacher. Yes, okay, I, I that's what it was. I listened to him a number of times. Gotcha. He didn't know what 12 o'clock was all about. <laughs> he was just getting warmed up. Yeah. But anyway, my I was fortunate enough that my parents raised me in church, and uh, I become a believer at nine-year-old, and uh, I was a pretty good boy for a good number of years. And I went to college, and uh, everything changed at that point. Uh, you were a pitcher, baseball team. Yeah, played a little ball. But uh, anyway, uh, was able to uh, maneuver the things that I was doing at that time and still had a clear head of the mornings the next day. Ronnie, I remember you telling me um, about your baseball that one day the coach came in and said, fellas, um, y'all going to have to get your grades up. That was me. <laughs> that was me. That was and me. you said, I left. I, that was my last day at school. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah, you had to, back then, you had to have a, like a 175 to play baseball, and mine was like a 16, whatever. And he told me, go back, get your grades up, come back next year. So anyway, I, did, I went back, then I went home. But anyway, all that being said, I'm still... My, I began to drink at that time. Uh-huh. Not a lot, but some. Yeah. And uh, I uh, come home, got a job, went to work for a while, started drinking a little more. Make a long story short, when I was probably 24-year-old, 25-year-old, alcohol became something to me that uh, I wouldn't want anybody to. Uh, it practically destroyed my life, drugs and things of that nature. And I did a little of that as well, but alcohol was my main problem. And uh, that consisted for, well, actually Cindy and I had met, and we won't go into all of that, but uh, I was still heavy in the drinking, lost a baby. But let me say this. We, um, I was raised in church also. Yes. And um, our family imploded. Um, Satan jumped in our family, and it was bad. Yes. And um, I was pretty angry. I didn't realize how angry I was. When you say family, this yes. is not you and Ronnie's no. family. This is your family growing up. Yes. 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 And um, it, there was just some really, really bad things that happened and some really bad things that transpired because of what happened. Um, so basically, I have been on my own since I was... Very young, 18. Yeah. And, you know, are you, I, I'm trying to remember, are you the, and, and the siblings in your home, you I'm were the oldest. The oldest. Yes. And so often. And I took it upon my that oldest to sibling, everything. That yeah. old, oldest sibling, it all yeah. comes crashing down yeah. onto their life. Yeah. So I was, you know, went to college and then ended up having to come home and go to work because I felt like I had to take care of everything. Right. And, and um, wasn't able, I think, um, mentally to, to do what I was doing, but I did it anyway. And so the anger grew and the anger grew and, um, just never, you know, there was no relationship with my daddy. And if anybody out there thinks that daddies are not important, let me tell you, daddies are important. Yeah. Um, yeah. because they, it's, it's a shift in who we are as, as yes. females. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so I, um, I got angrier and angrier and, drank. I never messed with drugs. Never. Too scared to. 
And, um, but anyway, there was a lot of alcohol, which is how I met Ronnie. And so then you can go from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Because our children uh, think that I'm like never did anything and uh, I'm not going to tell my children yeah, you did right. until I have to. I mean, just right. because Cole's almost 30 years old, yeah. 30, I'm 39 years old. Rusty, if y'all say anything to Cole yeah. about this, I would. They think, yeah. they think their daddy was the bad guy. Um, as we were talking about this. <laughs> no, they, they know. As we were talking about this, we even said, you know, strategically, I want Ronnie and Cindy to go with me. This telling your story is going to be easier um, if it were not Cole sitting in my chair where I am. And okay, well, back, back yes. to, to, to one Cindy before, prior to Cindy and I meeting. Well, I guess we weren't meeting at the time. But anyway, I, had, I was trying to quit drinking, trying to quit drinking. I did that for a long time, you know. I could go for three weeks, but if I ever got a beer or whatever, that's it, you know. And uh, on, in October of 82, my dad had a, he had a bad heart attack. Cindy and I were married at this time, okay. but I was still drinking. Yeah. You know, he had a bad heart attack. Doctors like, you know, if he can make it 24 hours, he got a chance. There's something about getting serious with God. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I, I walked into a broom closet, and I got out on my knees. Was this in the hospital? This was in the hospital. Yeah. And I've often been worried, concerned, not worried, but about making a deal with God. <clears throat> but it was like, God, if you allow my dad to live, I'll never drink again. And that was October 18th of 1982. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't drank since. Yeah. And my dad lived for 15 years. So yeah. Yeah. He gone now yes. to be with right. the Lord. But anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, to the, I quit drinking. Mm -hmm. Still wasn't going to church. Right. Nothing like that, you know. And, but I had a friend that I worked with, and she, she invited with. us to come to church. I was pregnant with Cole, and so we went like once or twice or something. We were what they call morning glories. <laughs> morning then. glories? That's what they call it. <laughs> you go to preaching. You don't go to Sunday yeah. school. Yeah. <laughs> so, great way to try to get somebody in church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call your names. But, hey, that was the first. Like I say, I was in church up until I was 18 years yes. old and I hadn't been back. I, I never was one that if, if I was going to do church, I was going to do church. Yes. But if I wasn't, I wouldn't. Right. Yeah, you know, and play that. And now you were suddenly. I beat myself and try to do that. No, yeah. Yeah. I should have been. It. Right. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we went through some tough times. <clears throat> yes. Um, as as a husband and wife, we went through some really tough times. We, you know, the drinking was behind us. The anything else was behind us. We were married, but we still had not committed our lives to following Jesus like we should. Gotcha. You know, that, yes. that, that just wasn't there. Yes. And so we were probably on the brink of some, some real serious issues several times. Yeah. But um, then we, we finally, when, after Cole was born, we started going to church and, and taking him. And um, Ronnie actually joined the church before I did. He joined the church in the East, on Easter Sunday when Cole was two years old. Okay. And yeah. um, so, you know, I don't know what to say other than, I've always loved what I do. I'm, yes. God has just given me a passion for work in yeah. the church. I love it. And so, you know, things got better, and, and uh, we were able to raise our, our both of our children in church. And um, But... Um, I mean, life, life is a battle. Yeah. Absolutely. But. So y'all came to a point 
Um, you were a believer. You were a believer. You were not chasing after Jesus. Uh-uh, not at all. But you came to that point. You kind of had a come to Jesus meeting in the closet. I did. And, I really did. and you came, you came to Jesus. Um, you were already a believer, but you said, I got, I'm, I'm, I got serious. Yes. You got That's serious. About being serious. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, um, began somewhere in that process too. Mm-hmm. You began to say, this is going to be, mm-hmm. this is going to be I don't know my if I ever, life. Ever, um, made that decision in a moment, in a moment, but it was over the course of time. Yeah. I think Cindy, a lot of people, and we kind of talked about that this morning. A lot of people go through a process Mm. of surrender Mm -hmm. to Jesus Mm -hmm. and they, they might be, can look back to a point and said, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I really, yes, I, I, I trusted Jesus with my life back here, Mm -hmm. but it was a process for me for many years, even mm-hmm. into adulthood of learning, mm-hmm. I've got to trust him with every decision mm-hmm. and every aspect. Because I think for me and for what happened in our family, yeah. I had such trust issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not just with God. I had trust issues across the board yeah. with everyone, including Ronnie. Sure. And, um, so for me, it was a, it was a very long process. Yes. And it was incremental and slow. Yes. So you can't look back yes. and say, here was my broom mm-hmm. closet moment mm-hmm. for you. It was uh, over the course of years mm-hmm. and God continuing to prove himself mm-hmm. faithful in your mm-hmm. life. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. I know this Cindy was, I mean, she was with me through some rough times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, never, she never walked out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Yes. There were moments. Yes. <clears throat> there was moments. There were moments. Right. Um, we, we went through some tough stuff. Yes. And we ain't got this thing figured out. No, yet. no, yeah. none of us do. I mean, right. I understand I'm not nothing. Yeah. I'm nothing. So we all in our own lives, we have uh, what we can call BC before Christ. Mm-hmm. We've got that. Mm-hmm. And then we've got those moments where we say, I'm going to get serious about this. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, Cindy, it's over a long mm-hmm. course of time. And mm-hmm. we look back and say, yes, mm-hmm. I am serious about God. Mm-hmm. And we can't identify exactly when it happened. But you do know this. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that it happened as you were beginning to follow him, being mm-hmm. a part of a church over the mm-hmm. course of years and incremental little and steps. And I think for me, it was learning that he loved me yes. enough to stick with me. Yes. Because I wasn't used to anybody sticking with me. Right. That everyone had, I had felt, yes. I always felt very alone. If it was to be, it's up to me. Yeah. If it's going to happen, it's if because it, I did it. I can't. I did it. Yeah. And that is such a flaw in yeah. my character, but it's, it's there. God put it there. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, but it's learning to get past that. Yes. So, well, and that's a lifelong process. It is a lifelong process. And you're process. still in that process yes. as I am in all the processes yes. that God has in my life. Yes. Um, and as far as responsibility, I think it's a choice. Yeah. I think it's just like anything else in our lives. We choose um, do every you know every function that comes up at church, every place that you need you know a two five um, two five two worker or a first look worker or someone to help with the sound or someone to help greet people as they come in. Those are all choices that we can or cannot make. Um, and I think, and it's scary when you step into that. But that responsibility that God gives us, it's so exciting too. Yeah. Once you make that initial mm-hmm. uh, step forward, and then God will just bring you closer and closer. Like having just the opportunity to be able to play with Ronnie. I mean, I've been playing with Ronnie for years when he would sing at funerals and sing at 
weddings and things like that. And but but to get to play on a regular basis yeah. with them is such a you just you know it's just a good feeling yes. to know that God is using you. Yes. And in, in, it's just in a special way, and it may not be that way tomorrow. It may be somewhere else tomorrow. Right. But I want to be open to the to what God wants. Yes. And it takes a it takes. It just takes a lot to just say, okay, I'm... You know, just the very fact that we're sitting right here, oh, this right is now, not me. <laughs> this is not, Mm-mm. this is not you. In fact, even playing the keyboards right there in that location, <clears throat> you would rather play from back That's there bad. somewhere in the back. And just the fact though, but along the way, you're just, you're saying yes right. to things that, but once you get into that, once you get it done and, and you say, I, I was a part of it, yeah. and I took that responsibility. And we do feel better, don't we? Yes. I mean, that is a, 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 yes. a, a reality. And, Ronnie, over the course of time, I don't know, where, we're, we're about out of time, but just to wrap this up, God began changing your priorities. Absolutely. And he began changing the way you were making decisions because you moved from, from a life that there were there was a lot of irresponsibility in that as I a young work, man. I didn't work nowhere over three weeks. Yeah. Yes. You know, get another job, work a little while. Right. But uh, and you yeah. moved to the point now. You you. I've been with, I've been with the University of Arkansas for forty one years. Yes, forty one years uh, working for the University of working. Arkansas. Still there. Still there. Yeah, a vital and it, a vital part. And it's it's that's big. The responsibilities that I have. And to see the, you know, the excitement because of them. Yeah. Responsibility is good. Yeah. It's real good. It Responsibility of raising a family. Yes. That's big. Yes. That's really big. It we, is. You know. When we look at Cole and Taylor and, yeah. and as a parent to be able to see your children serving God. Yes. I mean, that is yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. That is awesome. And to get to serve with them. Yes. When yes. y'all play in um, Stuttgart, Stuttgart Cole, plays drums. Cole plays drums with you. Right. And he's also one of your pastors. Yes. He is pastoring yes. his mom and dad. Which he will not speak of. No, he won't. Do not say that to me. <laughs> he's growing. <laughs> he's growing. Oh, goodness. Ronnie, is there anything else that you want uh, to leave us with? Just get real with God. Yeah. Uh, get serious. Get serious. Yeah. You know, I'm watching cars go up and down that street out there. How many of them folks know Jesus? Right. You know. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's Which it's about. is why we're going to be doing that fish. Yeah. You was talking weeks. earlier. You, you said two or three, and I was thinking, I thought you was going to say two or three hundred pounds and I'm like no Harley no no <laughs> two or three hundred people <laughs> we did a hundred pounds a hundred pounds of fish yeah, yeah. Right. so but that's why we did it in Stuttgart Absolutely. and that's that's why we're going to do it here we may not see repercussions because but God will bless it yeah you know we may not know what it is or where it is but when somebody comes in here it might not even have nothing to do with fish God's blessing effort yeah just lay it out there, man. I remember we uh, handed somebody a bottle of water one time doing something like that in Stuttgart. And um, they showed up about two years later. We said, yeah. why'd you come? Somebody handed me a bottle of water a couple years ago. Yeah. Two years. And, and it takes, yeah. it, it, you know, it takes effort, but it also, you know, I'm not good at 
at handing out water. I'll be, be as honest with you, but I did it. Right, you did it. And I received the blessing yes. because of it after yes. it was done. Right. You know, I was like, yeah. wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I remember when we said, hey, Ronnie, we're going we're gonna to go to the Walmart parking lot, <laughs> and we're going to hand out uh, like candy bars and and uh, and water. and and But, you know, but you did it. And and over the course of time, you have come to understand that that it's link. Very important. It's important yeah. to 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 not you be. Know, there's, there's different yeah. ways to reach people. Yeah. But uh, you know, you get if you don't have effort or responsibility, yeah. it won't happen. Yeah. Well, Ronnie and Cindy, thank you all for sharing part of your story today. I'm grateful. Hey, it's good to be home. Yeah. Yes. Hey, y'all part of us. Yes, that's right. For that's sure. right. Absolutely. We all one big family. That's right. Wanting to make it better. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Not just for people, but for yes. salvations. That's, what it's that's exactly right. Well, I'm going to help you guys down so that we can uh, dismount from here safely. And I'm going to be right here. I'm going to get at, actually down here. Let Ronnie put his hand on my shoulder here. He's got new knees in there. <laughs> we want to make sure they. All right. It, yep, we got you. We got you. Okay. All right. Thank you all so much for sharing. Um, so here we are. Um, I want to put another big point on the screen, and it's this. If we will make a choice to once again shoulder our personal responsibility, that decision, and we and Ronnie and Cindy kind of gave us a picture of that, that decision is going to begin to lead us down a path toward God. And we will begin, we will begin to find our way in this world as we begin to pick up and carry our responsibilities. So I want you to know this this morning. If today you are carrying a burden of guilt or shame because maybe you look back and you can see that, man, we've been dropping the ball and in doing so been blaming the person who tossed the ball to me. Now, I want you to know this, that Jesus desires to take that guilt and he desires to take that shame and he wants to take it off of our shoulders as we begin the process of picking up responsibility in our lives. I have to take responsibility for my own life. So here's what we want to ask you to do this week. This week, we're going to ask you to listen to your blame. Maybe it's in words that you use this week. Um, maybe it's in your thoughts and you just think these things. But just listen to maybe some excuses that you might have a tendency to make. Where you say, well, the reason I didn't finish that project is... or Here's a big one for me. Um, I couldn't exercise today because... So just listen to your words. Listen to your thoughts. And then after you do that, then ask this question specifically about that. Say this. Am I taking responsibility for my life or am I excusing it away? All right. Before we do this last song, let's pray. Father... Before there were any rules, you gave us great responsibility.
And we were created by you for responsibility. And God, because we are most fulfilled when we accept that responsibility and we live responsibly, we need you, God, to help us this week to identify those moments in our lives where we begin making excuses for ourselves. God, we need your help so we can recognize that, so we can allow you, God, to help us take responsibility for our lives moment by moment by moment this week. Jesus, we ask that you give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today. And Jesus, we ask that you would give us the courage to do it. It's in your name that we ask these things. Amen.